0: You
1: gave that promotion to Bob Enright instead of me? I've got five years seniority
0: over him. I know that.
1: For Christ's sake, I trained him.
0: I know that, but see, the the company... Oh, the company bullshit.
1: It's your decision. You promoted him. You tell me why.
0: Well... In the first place, see, Bob does have a college degree. Oh,
1: brilliant, brilliant. While he's away at college getting his precious, useless degree, I'm working my butt off at this company. And
0: in the second place, he does have a family to support. And I
1: don't. What has that got to do with
0: anything? Look, my hands are tied here. The company needs a man in this position. Clients would rather deal with men when it comes to figures. Oh, now we're getting it. I lose a
1: promotion because of some idiot prejudice. The boys in the club are threatened. And you're so intimidated by any woman that won't sit at the back of a bus.
0: Spare me the women's lip crap, okay? I know how you feel, and I understand it.
1: You understand, zilch. re re c c c c re 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 Which one
0: will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. Thank you for tuning into Ruined Childhoods. Whether you're a subscriber or maybe you saw, hey, there's a podcast talking about 9 to 5. That's my favorite movie. Uh, We're glad that you're listening, uh, even if it's not your favorite movie. Uh, My name is Dan, and with me, as always, is John. How's it going, John?
1: It's going pretty well, Dan. I am psyched to talk about 9 to 5. Uh yes. I think that this is a lot of people's favorite movie. So I I hope we we do it justice. I guess every movie has got to be somebody's
0: favorite movie, right? Yeah, that's the theory.
1: What's your favorite movie? Have I ever asked you that?
0: Wow, what's my fa- Have you ever asked me? I think you've always just kind of known.
1: Well, the thing is, like, there's – I'm sure there are – I know that there's so many movies that you really like, but – Right. You know, what you would consider to be, like, your one go-to
0: favorite. Okay. So, what's interesting is – uh, because I can't just answer a question. Um, So, when I'm asked this question at work, and uh, for, for those who don't know, I teach high school uh, language arts – And uh, if students ask me this, the answer I generally give is The Big Lebowski. Okay, You know, I mean, it's an R-rated movie and it it certainly isn't, you know, I could say Star Wars and that could certainly be a legitimate, uh, you know, it certainly has a legitimate claim to the throne. But uh, my true, I think The Big Lebowski is my go to. That's my, I want a movie on in the background. I don't have time to make a decision. What can I put on? Big Lebowski. Or okay. it's late. I'm going to put on a movie. I'm probably going to fall asleep. What am I going to put on? The Big Lebowski. Or I'm just like, I don't know, like sad. What am I going to put on? The Big Lebowski. Um, my I would say, though, that A Clockwork Orange is probably my the like my all-time like the film that just it, it it probably ranks as my true favorite.
1: Was that the movie that you would say maybe turned you into like a movie
0: guy? No, but I would say it was a movie that really shaped uh the the cinephile that I became because okay. uh, A Clockwork Orange was introduced to me by um by someone who was a you know huge Stanley Kubrick fan so i was introduced not just to the film but to all you know just kind of like the art of kubrick and i think clockwork orange perhaps more than any of his other films i think really represents the the ultimate in what he could do with the with the medium, because I, I mean, <laughs> or 2001, I mean, 2001 was <laughs> groundbreaking. 2001, uh, yeah. Yeah, do that. No, 2001 was, you know, no one ever did that before. Uh, I think that the, uh, like A Clockwork Orange in terms of the humor and the violence and, like, an antihero, it, it was what I think really introduced me to the idea of an antihero. And the fact that, like, this, I am, this is a terrible person, the, this character, Alex, who I am rooting for. And I'm like, I I want him to succeed, but as a character, not as a person. Right, so, right. Um, And it's just one of those movies that's so unique although although I, it's funny because i never thought i would ever uh say that like oh wow i saw this movie that was made before clockwork orange and it and i think clockwork orange was influenced by it i have um recently seen uh seen such a film but that's uh that's another story for another time okay well what is a story for this time the story for this time is is my I don't know my favorite movie is a clock uh, is a Clockwork. On. what's your what's your all-time favorite and I'm trying to think it's, if I can guess it. Oh
1: yeah, I'd but, love to hear what you would guess. I mean, I, I certainly have movies that I love watching.
0: Right. CQ comes to mind with I you. Really I really like the movie CQ. I, I would not think call it your a favorite. all-time favorite, right. No. Um but it's a movie that I think I associate with you. I think like you're the person I'm I know that you know has the deepest appreciation for it
1: sure and I think that that is to say that you probably don't know very many people who have any kind of appreciation for
0: it true true I mean you know (laughs) I've seen it a couple of times and I have an appreciation for it and like it but I
1: I like the the style of that movie I like you know it takes place in the late 60s I think going into the early 70s it's just like a, a whole vibe I've kind of fallen out of the whole like you know, mo- movies about movies thing. Um, right. I'm, I'm a little tired of that. Uh, if I hear anybody else say it's a love letter to cinema, I'm gonna <laughs> jump off a cliff. But um, I, you know, I it's it's interesting that you go back to some movies like The Big Lebowski when it's just like, look, if I want to put something on, and I don't care what you know what what it is like, I'm always gonna want to go for that. And by those metrics, I'm actually going to. I uh, key you in Dan to um the state that I was in about a week ago I was uh I had the flu, and it was a kind of flu that was just like you had zero energy, complete fatigue, and like you know body aches, and so I was really just like either in bed or on the couch, and I did watch a lot of family feud. Um, That's one thing that happened. But uh, I feel like game shows while you're sick is just like a must. But uh, when it came to putting movies on, I put a few different ones on, but a really good movie in this situation, it was like while I'm sick. But I want to put this movie on in a lot of different situations. The score is beautiful. The images are beautiful. Cinematography is beautiful. The the acting is really delicate and intentional. And that's Phantom Thread. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Is that your? But is that your favorite? I think that it's among my favorites. I and and I want to uh, include that as kind of my example right now. Because I feel like it is a really uh, incredible film in all the ways that I mentioned, but also it's a it's a complicated story about complicated people and complicated relationships, and in a lot of ways, I feel like it is about uh, female empowerment, which really ties mm-hmm. into what we're talking about with nine to five. Well, Uh, not to jump to that, but it it is the story about some uh, a man who is so uh, complicated, but he's untouchable until he finds the woman who really knows how to like actually break him down and make him come crawling to her like very, very literally. Who also? I mean, uh, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. But yeah, it's just like this this person who seems this this man who seems like untouchable, and this woman who cracked the code, and not only not only (laughs) to like get the guy, but to take back who she is as a person, and to kind of like uh, signify herself as a person of importance,
0: and uh, it's masterfully done. Right. And there's a lot more that that I could say, but I'm going to refrain because if anyone listening hasn't seen it, it's a it's a wonderful movie. And John, to your point of like that, I just want to have something on. Yeah. Excuse me. It's it's kind of an exquisite film to listen to. And I've put it on. I have put it on in that context where it's like I want something that's in like i'm doing things i remember like one day i was like washing dishes and like cleaning the kitchen or something i'm like that's what i want in the background is just that the dot the music like you said the score um the i mean and it's and it's a beautiful film to watch oh yeah as well but even if you're just to listen to it is uh is wonderful so yeah totally you know i I would have no objection to any you know uh film that you would have named but like (laughs) i I, appreciate that i I see Uh, but what i would what i would also
1: say and and that's not to say that we're doing an episode on phantom thread who knows maybe we will in the future but it's the kind of movie that like if you stripped out all of the dialogue and turned it into like a silent film it would still work perfectly Oh and, yes, yeah. and the yes, the the acting, of course, uh, you know, so much comes through where you don't even need the words really to uh, to make the impact. but Dan, i I know that you wanted to talk about a few things before we get down to nine to five,
0: yes. So and you know, of course, because there's there's always news about some type of sequel or or remake or what have you. I'm curious to know, John, have you been following any of the news regarding the upcoming Exorcist sequel? No, do tell. So, uh, David Gordon Green is okay. He's directing going. right for uh, for Blumhouse Productions uh is 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 directing and is co-written uh a, a new exorcist film a uh, i believe uh so what it says is it will it'll according to wikipedia it will retroactively affect continuity of the franchise but all of the previous installments will still remain canon to its premise, which, uh, which actually, I, I my previous news was not coming from the Wikipedia, and I I had read that it it would kind of just be a direct sequel to the original nineteen seventy three film, which is one of my other all time favorite films. I'd and... say I'd say that you know when.
1: When it comes to ranking films, if somebody asked me what what the, scare, the most scared I've ever been seeing a movie is or what my favorite scary movie is, I'd probably say The Exorcist.
0: And have you ever – did you ever see it in the theater? I saw it in the theater when it was re-released um, after a remaster. Yes. Or, yeah. The 2000 – yeah. I mean, I know we had this discussion on our Exorcist episode. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, uh, but going back to that, my big question here, and I haven't seen this addressed, is does it acknowledge the series, which also picked up the story of the original film, you know, Reagan McNeil and, and Chris McNeil and Mr. Howdy. I don't know. Captain Howdy. Captain, Captain Howdy. Captain Howdy. Howdy. Now, this is going to be the first film in the franchise since the original to bring back... Uh, Ellen Burstyn as Oh Chris McNeil. Oh, wow. uh, which is which is interesting. So because I certainly don't think she, you know at this point in her career, uh, or I think she must be in her uh in her nineties. Um, it has to be. Yeah. So it, it's like you know why why is she coming back? To be a part of this That definitely makes me think uh, Like oh okay Well didn't David Gordon Green
1: do the The most recent few like Halloween Movies Yeah, yes,
0: And along and uh, Danny McBride uh, Collaborated on the story for it And so I believe
1: that there's a lot of Faith that goes into you know and a lot of Trust that goes into uh, You know these Works that are being kind of Continued on these horror films that are being Continued on by these Particular
0: people, you know, right, 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 and just kind of the involvement of Ellen Burstyn. I'm, I'm intrigued. I, as I usually am, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I love the original film, and I love Exorcist Three, uh, right, and, and so I'm, I'm curious. I thought that the series was was very good, especially. I thought the first. Which, you know, the first season, uh, he picks up the story. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was, I, I'm, I'm interested in that. Uh, so I was curious to know what your thoughts were on that.
1: Well, I, I'm intrigued. I mean, yeah. I feel like this might be the first Exorcist sequel that I will have any interest in seeing. I mean, I, it makes I, sense. They, I know you've <laughs> spoken highly of like Exorcist three and other ones, but like I'm just not that interested. Exorcist three is the only other one I would recommend watching. I'm not considering Repossessed, although I feel oh, right. like it is an honorary sequel. It
0: it it has its place anyway. Um, a couple of other items to bring up. Uh, I'm curious to what do you think? I'm I've been meaning to ask you this the past few episodes. History of the World Part Two. You know, I
1: I've, I saw History of the World Part 1 uh, when I was quite young, and I haven't seen it since. And I am... Uh, I think it's... F- Streaming on Hulu. Oh, well, I'm definitely going to have to watch it. But I think it's really... F- I think it's kind of awesome that they're doing a part two, uh, you know, while Mel Brooks is still around. And with people that I really like. So, it's like, yeah... To do it so – to do it close to History of the World Part 1 would not have been nearly as good as waiting until 2023.
0: I mean, yeah, exactly. I'm – I you know, I, I think I initially uh, just had some opinions and was a bit – you know, was skeptical. But I've decided to stifle the skepticism I'm interested i'm I'm interested to see what what they do well, something that
1: excites me is that it's a it's a new Mel Brooks piece that isn't uh, you know, a musical of one of his other things right or, you know, it's like we haven't really seen much like
0: new Mel Brooks well, but also how much of it is Mel Brooks and how much of it it also I think is going to answer the question like how do you do Mel Brooks in twenty twenty three
1: well, you include Mel Brooks and it's like, with yeah. his, if, if he, it has his blessing and he signs off on it, even if he's, you know, just an, if he's an executive producer who just kind right. of, you know, approves scripts and signs
0: off on things, then that's that's all I need. Right. Or, do, or, or the thing is, like, should it be trying to be Mel, if Mel Brooks is not the primary creative force behind it, then is then like, you know, should it? Be trying to be Mel Brooks, or should it be? Because I'm afraid, like people are going to judge it based on the standard of History of the World Part. Either that, or people are not going to have no idea what History of the World Part One is, <laughs> which
1: is all, which is very likely. But also, what's important to remember is like Mel Brooks doesn't have like a perfect track record with making like every piece be brilliant, you True. know? Uh, True. It and and I I'm sure that he would he would agree with that. And it's like History of the World Part One. It was this it's it's not even the most famous of his pieces of his works so no
0: and and, and it's very history what i like about history of the world part 1 and, and i guess dislike is uh you know it's not really a cohesive like piece and right. but there are moments of of brilliant, sheer brilliance in it the inquisition <laughs> oh absolutely yeah uh, uh among others and i do i i have to say I do wonder if uh, Jews in space will be in history of the world part two, because that we were promised that. And especially with like Marjorie Taylor green and her Jewish space laser. That is it true. It just yeah. feels like,
1: Although how, I wonder if that's a little know. too far out of it's the zeitgeist. <laughs> well, it's too real, but also it's like that happened already now too long ago. in like the Marjorie oh. Taylor green news cycle. True. True. Yeah.
0: All right. And then last bit, Fatal Attraction, the yeah. series Paramount Plus. Did you watch the teaser trailer that dropped? I did?
1: I, today. I did. Uh, you know what's really interesting is Joshua Jackson. I at first when I saw him, I was just like, it "Looks like like Peter Krause, like he <laughs> he looked like Peter Krause a little bit." And then I uh, when I was looking at him, I was like, "Wow, like he's really going for the Michael Douglas look, totally going." Yeah, and
0: at least in the trailer uh they're ab they're really going for that vibe of the original and they even showed those couple of scenes yeah. that were really close uh to the original the you know the one where where she's in there with the wife and he walks in and and she's like oh yes we've met before so i'm um, i'm interested to see you yeah. know it's a series it's not just a, a remake so oh, clearly yeah, there's, sure. there's going to be more than, than just, you know, a uh, two hour story. <laughs> yeah. That ends well, with one I, of the principals dying.
1: Yeah, no, you know what? I'm looking forward to it. And uh I I have faith in the creative team. And uh, you know, the, the cast is great. Lizzie Kaplan always always really
0: great. So mm-hmm. um yeah, I'm excited and for we'll it. talk about season three party down another time because we've got to talk about nine to five. We do another workplace uh comedy farce. Uh yeah,
1: so this is uh from from 1980 uh the, the film 9 to 5 that really came about because of uh you know Jane Fonda and you know really as the driving force to get this film going.
0: Dan, uh, had you seen this film before? I'm sure you have, right? I don't think I had ever seen the whole film before. Really? Yeah. It's
1: one of those movies where it's like, I thought that I had seen everything. And then as I was watching it, I was like, oh my God, I completely forgot about all of this. The whole second half. The whole second half. Uh, yeah. It's definitely a a movie. It's It's like three movies kind of crumpled into one and- the but like ultimately when it comes down to it, the the chemistry of the three leads, like you don't care about anything else because they're just so fun to watch.
0: I mean, this is like you know, we we've talked about First Wives Club before. Yeah. I feel like this is the prototype. This is the OG right here. Well, it's uh, the prototype for a lot of oh, yes pieces. Yes, yeah. not just, but it really brought to mind to me first wives club just a trio with such great chemistry uh, they they and, and dolly parton making her screen debut yeah and knocking it out of the park oh she's so fun the, there's so much about this movie that I, I mean first of all yeah i had never seen half of it or at least don't didn't remember half of it but there's so much of it that is is so relevant and uh it, there's there's so much of it that's really like for a film of that time uh progressive uh, oh uh, yeah yeah the whole i and there's so so much about the characters which we'll we'll get into yeah and and to the to your point about it being the having different movies so uh and you should you are being, you know, different elements of different movies. Uh that that's actually a question that I wanted to discuss, but I feel like you should provide a synopsis before we we dig in.
1: And I shall.
0: Fabulous. At Consolidated Companies Incorporated,
1: there's really only one rule. Do whatever Mr. Hart says. But for three of the women who work for him, rules are made to be broken. Hart takes things too far for longtime employee Violet, whose business ideas he claims for his own and promotes less qualified men over her time and time again. For his secretary, Dora Lee, he not only sexually harasses her and attempts to con her into going to bed with him, but he even begins a rumor that she already has. And for rookie Judy, well, she can sniff out a bad egg from a mile away. Violet, Dora Lee, and Judy band together after Violet thinks that she accidentally poisons his coffee when he is found unconscious on the office floor. What begins as them trying to cover up the incident results in a full-on kidnapping in order to prove that Hart's been ripping the company off with bogus inventory receipts for an off-site storage facility. In the meantime, they not only convince the workforce that he's still coming into work, but they also use Dora Lee's ability to forge a signature to make serious changes for efficiency and workplace morale.
0: So, okay. And uh, of course now I'm thinking, I was like, there's definitely a movie that comes to mind when I try to think of what your favorite movie is. And then I looked at my notes and I said, yes, it's Harold and Maude. Oh because yeah. Because that's the movie that I think of as your favorite movie. Is that your favorite movie? It is a favorite movie. It is a favorite it, movie. It's not one that I can always put on. I will say that. Well, no. Much, so uh, Clockwork Orange is also not one I can always put on. Yeah, uh, I imagine so. So, well, and I bring up Harold and Maude because Colin Higgins, who right. directed uh, and and co-wrote the screenplay, uh, wrote the screenplay for Harold and Maude. He also directed... Foul Play, which was a Chevy Chasey Goldie Hawny type of movie. (laughs) Wow, Uh, wow, 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 wow. wow. I gotta, I gotta call out the Fisher King man. Yeah, so uh, which which leads me to believe that some of the more um wacky hijinks and slapstick might have been his contributions for the male audience. And be like, we need to throw in some some wacky wacky. <laughs> yeah, well, what? So I just—that's just a theory.
1: Yeah. So when we get to the point where the the three female leads become buds, I uh, you know we go into their little like dream sequences of what they would do to heart, and I feel like that's one place where this movie get goes for like a little bit of a wacky turn. All of the hijinks with like taking what they believe is his
0: body from the hospital. Yeah. yeah. That that's, the, that's, that's the, that's the one whole other
1: thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the part that I'm like, all right, that definitely feels very much like out of foul play. Yeah. Or, or a similar film, but yeah. And yeah, the, the sequence where they're like the fantasy sequence is where like, they're all high. So, oh, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. But those are uh, yeah, they, they go they go uh, a bit a bit too long. But, you know, something I really um, I mean, I appreciated all the the, you know, character development in it. But I have to say, like the way that uh, Dora Lee is written uh-huh. where where it's like she knows what he's doing. And she only lets it go as far as she is willing to let it go, which is why when she finds out that he's been spreading rumors about her and it's like, it's, it's so clearly defined. And I feel like it, 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 it just points out that, that, you know, really, you know, sad truth is that you women, you know, I guess had to figure out how to do that in order to keep a job and get by, and so like, but the way that she does it, and just like you know, oh, with a smile on her face, and like, oh, okay, oh, you're just being silly again. Uh-huh. Um, I love that they have the scene where she's talking with her husband, uh, in it, and and I mean, just the fact right. that yeah you know like she's got that you know her her husband's really really sweet guy um you know it's not about the it's really not about the men in their lives like it is a little bit because judy was cheated on by her husband who cheated yes. on her with his secretary real piece of work oh yeah 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 um violet's a widow right right yeah and she has like four um, sons or something like that. Yeah, four sons. Yeah. Uh yeah. There it's funny. The scene with her son is uh is a is a great scene. Lily Tomlin's just wonderful. Oh, tremendous. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, and and her character and some of the lines, like I wrote down where she has the line like, um, you know, I think about the person who gets promoted over. Like, I remember when he was a management trainee. I was the one who trained him. Oh no, that's about Hart. actually. Was that I about remember Hart? When, yeah, I remember when he was a management trainee. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. And it's just like little things like that and that, um, you know, it makes me realize that a major Hollywood movie was addressing these ideas that I, I feel like are are more controversial now. And like they're, they're bringing up things that are still... Being argued for, um, you know, the pay gap, the idea of of uh, daycare being provided on site at the workplace. Like it's and also uh, another thing I really appreciate about it is in in the casting that I mean, they definitely make a point of showing that you know, among the, you know, quote unquote, nine to fivers, the non-management is much more diverse. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And it's, but what I liked is it's not just there. They also aren't like tokening. It was like, it, it felt like a natural felt authentic. Yeah. Yes. It felt very authentic. And also just that you see more of that diversity on display when they take over, when Um, Violet, Judy, and and Dora Lee take over and they make so many of these changes and people are happier at work Um, what's Margaret the the office uh, lush uh, right. Played right. by the Did you recognize who that was? Did you have Remind to Remind me it up? who that was,
1: because I, I I watched this one a while ago.
0: This is the actress uh who plays Margaret, and I i don't have her name in front of me, but she played Elvira in The Last Starfighter.
1: Oh, that's who yeah. she was. Another yes. favorite movie.
0: Oh, yes. And I was like, oh man, I totally recognize her, and and I I I had to look it up. I, I think um oh Peggy Pope. That's her name. Oh, okay. Peggy Pope. So Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was really happy, and especially because, like, a lot of – all of that, like, them changing the workplace was the part that was new to me as I was watching it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that as we age and we are more aware of these things, and also as time has gone on and these issues are more and more present – you know, we become maybe a little bit more aware of those elements because we can think about them in like, you know, 2023 terms rather than 1980 terms where, you know, maybe these were certainly not new ideas, but, you know, you didn't see them on screen as much. I'm thinking, uh, you know, about... And it's not that it was... That much uh, earlier, but you know, yes, it was the sixties. But the apartment, you know, when you think about the, you know, the secretary pool and all the things like that, where it's yeah. just like, you know, um, I think that a movie like The Apartment is actually kind of like a a spiritual predecessor to to this movie. Yeah, um, you know, absolutely. thinking of, like take actually seeing the perspective of the the female in the workforce and the things that she has to do or the things that she's expected to do in order to be successful. And it's certainly been a lot longer uh, at this point from 1980, as it was from 1980 to when the apartment came out and was at 61
0: Uh, or 60, was it 60?
1: 60? Something like that. So anyway, uh, yeah, I I think that there's uh, a lot of really important scenes that go on there and it's really exciting to see how, those play out, and how those those efforts that they made are recognized, uh and really do create a lot of efficiencies and make the company more profitable. But also, it's like we also have to to salute our our hero, the you know the fourth uh, <laughs> the fourth lead, Dabney Coleman, yes, for for really nailing this part of oh. this just like awful boss, and I. Uh, I know that he was like, you know, hand selected by, you know, Jane Fonda and you know, he had done mostly like television work before, but is just like this perfect douche. And right? and and just plays it so well and you know, watching it uh, this time I was definitely thinking a lot like, you know, Dabney Coleman the things that he has done And for the benefit of like women, yes, (laughs) think about like Tootsie and you know all these other things where it's just Mm -hmm. like he has really fallen on the sword in order to make a lot of other people look (laughs) a hell of a lot better.
0: (laughs) He's really good at it.
1: He's really good at it. So, three cheers for Daphne Coles. That's that's really that's really cool. I admire
0: him. It's nice. He's had a, he's had his share of uh, of good guy. Oh, good totally, girls. totally. But man, Shout the out ones that he's dagger.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the most re, the most memorable ones oh. are certainly the ones where he's just an absolute ass.
0: Well, nine to five and Tootsie especially yeah. are iconic, and also uh, very, so close to each other in in when they came out yeah. and their tone that you wouldn't call them you know spiritual you know sequels or whatever or partners but they would they definitely kind of fall into that same vibe you you could program a film festival and include 9 to 5 and Tootsie on the same card
1: you absolutely could yeah and, and you know what's interesting is like i when i think about 9 to 5 i used to think more about like working girl and right. uh, you know watching it again now i i'm thinking more about working girl and and you know seeing them maybe as not as closely related as i maybe once did Again, uh, this goes back to I think the last episode. That's another movie where you can tell Harrison Ford is probably having a pretty good time on set. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so he didn't have to run. <laughs> no, not at all. He didn't have to do much. Um, just, you got to be be Mr. Cool guy. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This was a a really fascinating watch for me, and I I feel like. If they would have if you just cut out the uh the part where they steal a body, I, I guess right. that does lead to them discovering the empty warehouse, right? Does it? <laughs> I'm like vaguely remembering that they maybe it's when they're stopped by the cop. No, it's not when they're stopped by the cop, but they, you know, are out of the car, and then I think that maybe Lily Tomlin is like, oh, this is that Storage place and looks in the. I can't remember oh, how exactly else she figures that out.
0: Right. Well, because like she did some like the paperwork or she oh, recognized. I'm the sure she did. Yeah. I, well, there I, was her yeah. Dora Lee, but like
1: you know, and then seeing the empty warehouse. But I thought that, that was a really great mechanism for you know trying to prove his incompetency and and really get him ousted. um I wasn't sure that i loved the whole kidnapping aspect and the way that they had him you know tied up and everything that felt a little cruel for who they were as people
0: yeah well it it also although that's like
1: a straight up big serious crime
0: like well i think they kind of adequately played it up like it was something that like what dorley because what it's he's it, it happens because he's, like, chasing Dora Lee around, right? And she ties him up? I think that that's how it initially happens, yes. So it's kind of like w- w- that's a slippery slope. Once you start down that road, y- you know, you might as well go all the way. <laughs> I guess so. So and it uh, starts but, he's, out of, but
1: he's tied up for, like, a long time. <laughs> do you feel bad for him, though? I I don't feel bad for the character because you know how terrible he is but also it's like that is no matter how you shake it a really cruel thing to do okay yeah i guess so (laughs) i'm just saying that if they're trying to get him to uh, you know be associated with a, a criminal activity of like you know uh screwing this company out of money or whatever it's like maybe try to avoid probably what's considered an even worse uh law to break i suppose
0: <laughs> i i suppose it's a, it's a very complex very nuanced issue so yeah. Yes, I'm not sure. If we have any legal experts out there, uh, please email us at ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com and let us know, embezzlement or uh, light kidnapping. This is a light kidnapping. There's no ransom involved. There's blackmail involved. There's... Okay. So, anyway, I don't know if you would... I wouldn't file this under the same... There is like the movie Room, you know? Like, right. That's terrible kidnapping. That's that's yeah. worse than embezzlement in my opinion. So it's then let's
1: so let's uh let's, let's fast forward to 2008 and let's talk a little bit about the musical. Yeah, uh, starring uh Allison Janney, uh Stephanie J Block and uh, Megan Hilty. Uh-huh. Um so and and it sounds like artistic director Michael Ritchie. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's the same Michael Ritchie, is it? I, it's not linked in uh,
0: in Wikipedia, so <laughs> maybe not. But like, what if it was? I don't know. I, I, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I think Michael Ritchie passed away prior oh, to 2009. Got it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, then, not maybe it's uh, the the spiritual uh, successor of the the name of the baton has been handed to this Michael Ritchie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. To be discussed on this
0: podcast. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, have you seen the musical? No, I haven't. Neither but, have I. But I imagine it made a
1: pretty great. He died in 2001. So, yeah. 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 Definitely um, not. So not him,
0: different Michael Ritchie. And I, not Michael Richie. It makes sense that it would be a musical. Absolutely. Yeah. A, it absolutely makes sense as a musical.
1: Right. And, no doubt. um, I know that uh Dolly Parton was she had maybe written the music for it which of course makes sense. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh you know, I think it's one of those that's it's a big, you know, hit in on the community theater circuit. Yeah, it
1: closed uh closed on Broadway in 2009. Uh national tour began in 2010. I uh, I don't know the uh the current status of any productions of it, I'm sure that it hits, you know, oh, small yeah. stages here and there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's been talks about a sequel since the movie came out, but all have been squashed. You know, one pops up and then it
0: goes away. Yeah. And I mean, it's like, I, I think that, you know, versus a sequel, you know, at least we get the reunions. We get Grace and Frankie. which Right. Yeah. And, uh, on which Dolly
1: Parton has guested.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. And un- uh, it's too bad. Like, I know that, the, I mean, I think as recently as 2018, they were yeah. talking about the sequel. Oh, I think, but in 2019, they, they said, uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't happening. Right. Yeah. So I guess that brings us to the, to the question of like, you know, of, of, <laughs> what's going to happen the uh, what or what could, could happen. happen the sequel is you know sequel is not happening uh the musical has happened there have been two uh tv series based on it one i mean one of them ran for uh ran for a couple seasons
1: tell me a little bit more about that one because that's not some i didn't uh do any research on on the tv series
0: um, so all I really know is that it was on ABC for a season Okay, and then it was, uh, in what's called first run syndication. So which kind of, kind of like right. shows like Charles in charge that weren't on a network, but most people would see them on, I, I don't know, various cable, basic cable channels. <laughs>
1: So interestingly, we have uh, Rita Moreno, who's uh, in "80 for Brady" with Lily Tomlin and uh-huh. uh, yeah. And, uh, Jen- and Jane Wait, Fonda
0: is, is Lily Tomlin in "80 for
1: Brady"? Or I thought that she was in it also with Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Sally Field. Oh, yeah. okay, all right, yeah. And then I'm seeing as heart for season one, we have Jeffrey Tambor, which that makes perfect sense. Uh, For seasons two and three, it is the unfortunately named Peter Boners, um, (laughs) who I know has been in a ton of stuff. Uh, He was on
0: WKRP in Cincinnati. Bob
1: Newhart. Yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, Bob Newhart show. Who else? We had Sally Struthers in a couple of seasons. Valerie Curtin. Wow, that's a name I haven't seen in a long time.
0: Right, right. Pre-Valerie. Yeah. So and yeah, then Valerie's family and then the Hogan,
1: family. the Hogan family, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah. Dan, Dan, what are you thinking? So this is one of those movies where I, I really wonder if a behind the scenes, like how how did this get, how it got made? You know, like a, a six to eight episode treatment. I, that could be interesting because you have uh, women as Power players in Hollywood, so very much on the outside of things. But you have someone like you know Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, who I uh, was a you know pretty big star at, right. at that point. Um, and then you've got Dolly Parton coming in from the music side, and I I think uh, you know especially like Dolly Parton, we've all as we've all come to realize is you know the closest thing we have to a saint. Uh, <laughs> he's... Uh, you know, it, it's Dolly Parton, Jimmy Carter, and then humanity is just a quick downward spiral from there.
1: Well, Dolly Parton is the the ultimate unifier. She's the only person who can bring together the conservatives and like, you know, the the far left, you know, drag queens. And, you know, she's idolized by the queer community but also by conservatives. So it's a she, really funny paradox.
0: I mean, yeah. Uh, um, she really is, is just seems to be a, a genuinely amazing person who's earned everything she's gotten and, and uh, totally recognizes, recognizes that. So I feel like something that shows how these women got this movie made. Yeah. And, and how it, it did push the envelope. I don't know if there's, if there, if there's any stories, if it was just like, oh yeah, no, pretty smooth sailing. Like I can only imagine that, you know, there, there were, you know, obstacles and and compromises. Right. You know, like, especially with the screenplay, like I, I can't imagine that it was put, I can't imagine that Patricia Resnick, you know, just readily said, like, you know, yes, I feel like having the uh, male, you know, Australian view <laughs> on Colin Higgins, Australian. Right. You know, would would really make this a better screenplay. So I uh, uh, I think that would be interesting. Otherwise, I, I would just do I, I think I would do a remake. A straight remake. I think I would do a straight remake. Now the trouble is the issues are still the same. I I actually don't know if it would be a straight remake. I feel like it would be an updating of it because if you set it in the eighties, you're it's really just like, all right, well, why, why don't I just watch the original nine to five? Right, Uh, right, right. You know, it does it really make sense to move it earlier than that. When does it make sense to, uh, to set it? And I think that if, I think that you can do something with this in the contemporary setting. Clearly, we all, you know, we, you know, we know that we know that these uh, issues that are being discussed are still issues. So I don't know if you would still call it nine to five. I think that the idea of the 40 hour work week is, <laughs> is... maybe it's
1: called like WFH.
0: Well, (laughs) I I think, uh, what was it? I think Dolly Parton had said that if they had done a a sequel that was contemporary, it would have been called like 24-7. Yeah, right. Which is not, is not bad uh especially i th- i make the connection i think of my wife who works in in business uh you know in in the corporate world and uh it definitely feels like like 24/7 <laughs> right so uh that's that's my take on it okay. is yeah either either the remake or the behind the scenes doc docu series <laughs> yeah fair enough that could be interesting yeah. What what do you think John? What are you going to do with this? Well, what I was what I was thinking that
1: would be really fun would be a uh, you know a contemporary series not called 9 to 5 but uh, a series about women who work in an industry that's perhaps male dominated and it takes place this, this takes place in a world where the movie 9 to 5 does exist and what my thought was is that they have this you know, male uh, boss who really gets in the way of things and just is like maybe not as terrible as Dabney Coleman was in the ways that he was terrible, but you know, still like really prohibitive of the women from you know reaching the places where they you know really could go with with their work. Part of my idea maybe gets a little weakened at Burnie Z but uh my thought is like what if the boss does disappear uh, like maybe uh, not saying that he dies but like maybe he does um like maybe he goes maybe he's going on a vacation but because one of these people is his like right hand just doesn't tell anybody and they use that time to, like, implement all of these changes. And, you know, they, they kind of just, like, go rogue and do all these things on their own, uh, inspired by 9 to 5, but are trying to do things on the up and up in a way that it's just, like, they're not committing any crimes doing it. So, in a way, it's, you know, slight remake, but also, in another way, it's, like, you know, an, an homage to a, a classic.
0: It's funny because that also feels a bit closer to working girl. Um, that's also true. That's true. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there's like that to me, you know, feels more of a connection to working girl than the original nine nine to five um yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I could definitely that that would totally work because like and maybe would? and maybe working girl is part of it. Maybe they're just like, you know,
1: they have like the the main characters maybe they have like a you know a movie night and they're like looking at all these movies that they've been watching and you know and it's just like feeds into it somehow.
0: And and they also watch Weekend at Bernie's. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. Of course they do. <laughs> oh they, they they do a double feature every Friday. They watch they watch some like, you know, um movie like Nine to five or Working Girl and then Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. They just, love, they just love Weekend at Bernie's. Occasionally, Weekend at Bernie's too. Yeah, why not? I mean, I could think of a lot of reasons why not, but that's fine. We don't need to go there. We don't need to go there. So yeah, any,
1: anyway, that's what I've got. Dan, I I feel like our listening audience probably has a lot of ideas of their own, and so I would encourage them to email us, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com, or to check out the Please. link tree in our episode description to follow up with us um dan do you have anything else that you wanted to add about nine to five
0: uh no uh no other than that uh i think this is a movie that perhaps even though it's it, you know considered a classic perhaps a cult classic i think it uh still remains underrated and i'm glad yeah, I, i'm i glad i watched it
1: it's fun i mean and, it, you know, even just to watch Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin and, and Dolly Parton, just oh. if ever I am uh, out in public somewhere and, and if I were if I were to happen to luck upon seeing the three of them somewhere, I don't know what I would do. I would I would probably barf. It would be so exciting. I'd probably barf um, and and I'd be like, you did this. And I'd barf some more. It's like the three of you, you're perfect.
0: <laughs> um, anyway, that's what you I would get tackled long before that. You're perfect. <laughs> you're perf- no, that says they're dragging me away. Um, anyway,
1: uh, Dan, do you want to tell everybody what we're doing on our next episode of this dang podcast?
0: Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, we're going to Brooklyn. 1977's Saturday Night Fever. And uh, we will
1: 100% be talking about staying alive as well. We will
0: also be talking about staying alive. Both the song and the film that is a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Unavoidable. We will be talking about staying alive. Yeah. So looking forward to it.
1: Well, Dan, I am excited. And as you are uh, in the car with the cops going behind you and you've got a dead body in the trunk, I wish you a
0: good journey. Oh, God. Oh, is it almost Thursday already? Uh, Have a good journey.